Hello, welcome to Information Revolution, a podcast for people who care about information. Uh, my name's Judy Verno, and I'm an information architect. I work for a company called Metataxis in Wellington. Next. My name is Michael Upton. I call myself an information management consultant, and I also work for Metataxis. And my name's Carl Milrose. I work for Castle Point Systems in Canberra, but just a very quick disclaimer, my views are my own. So, Judy, what are we here to talk about today? Well, I suggested, rationally or otherwise, that we talk about knowledge management, which is a term that I haven't heard for quite a little while, and I wondered whether it was still considered to be a thing, or whether um, we don't talk about that, we just talk about information management, or, um, yeah, are there are there organisations out there who, who think more about knowledge management? I mean, as far as I know... It was a term that came up in the 1990s, I think, um, and was quite vogue around that time and primarily focused on on the, the tacit to explicit information management side of things. So trying to, to get out what's in people's head so that it can be shared around the organisation. Um, and I think there was this uh, division between uh, managing new information and managing uh, the established information, but how can we make all of that available to people? And I think I, I don't know whether it's something that people actually think about in that way, or are we perhaps so focused on just trying to manage what we've got, which Lord knows is hard enough, that we don't spend so much time trying to as it were, educate or or um, draw out that tacit information. There are lots of things I know around the place. Um, I mean, communities of practice, for example, is is one way of doing that. I know, um, or knowledge bases. Or, but I was wondering what you two thought about that. Do do, do we think about knowledge management now? And if so. Do you see people doing things around it? Uh, one thing I'd say is that I see um, some government agencies, at least, where they talk about a knowledge management function uh, separate to an information or records management function. Right. And they really mean looking after a knowledge base that mm. serves people who are customer-facing. So, you know, basically, if you're going to take a phone call or you're going to answer customer requests or not necessarily customers, I suppose. We've talked about customer as a term before. But citizens getting in touch with the government agency, um, yeah, I often see that people, like that's knowledge management for some people. And to me, I find that kind of, uh, I was going to say I find it amusing. I don't find that amusing. But I um, <laughs> I do see it as being almost like um, distinguishing things based on subject or use rather than the kind of thing it is, um, as in, you must have a lot of corporate knowledge in those organisations and, well, you know, of course there is, um, but it's kind of saying, okay, our knowledge management function exists to look after one kind of thing. There's a, yeah. Um, and to me, it's almost like, well, it's almost like with records people, if they say, oh, I only look after the EDRMS or I only look after the um, uh, paper records or something, it, to me, it kind of leaves me feeling a bit like, oh, and that doesn't feel like the complete picture. And there might be good reasons for doing it, but yeah, 
So that so yeah, just to summarize, I hear knowledge management mostly used talking about knowledge base mm. management, you know, like how do we build a thing that people can go to and get authoritative answers to questions quickly. There's a little tongue in cheek mm. part of me that mm -hmm wants to know whether it's just the place where we go from a functional classification to a subject or topic-based classification. Um. <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh, uh, that's, that's, that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. That was the thing I thought it. about when you were talking about that, because yeah. that's obviously if people are trying to answer questions. Well, that's we're just classifying information by subject now, which... <laughs> Sorry, that's completely not, not serious, but, it, it, but, it is but a, sort of interesting. Yeah, I mean... I, I think another angle I've seen is that um, there is that kind of focus on, oh, you know, knowledge is, uh, oh, gosh, I don't even remember the distinctions people make, but something about knowledge is answers to how do I or something. Yeah, no, knowledge, yeah, knowledge is how to, you know. Uh, yeah, it, which I just find gets really curly and all just sort of academic and just wonky because, <laughs> of course, you can use any kind of information to help you understand how you might do something. Yeah, but I do see that distinction. So, for example, they might do the sort of sort of some kind of uh, frequently asked questions on an intranet that might mm. be treated as mm. knowledge and mm. managing knowledge. Um, yeah, which I think, again, is basically just uh, creating a set of questions and answers so i don't know yeah i one of the things i keep seeing you... is that um i keep seeing knowledge teams popping up in organizations and then when i go and talk to them it's just another attempt to get out that the organization that you know the, the group is making in the organization to get away from records so you know they've decided that records is having a bad time in the yep. organization so now they call themselves the knowledge team but most of the time i i look at the functions that the team performs in the organization and and what i see is a records team. and 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 not you know we talk i've got a really expansive view of 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 what records is and what records should do in an organization and i, I don't think i'm talking about that either i'm talking about teams that you know are managing the edrms and trying to get people to put their records in there and so it, it's really just uh, it's become a branding exercise which i mean i think is really disappointing because you know, I mean, I think knowledge management and the whole learning company, you know, movement that came out of it, mm. you know, that idea that companies can learn, um, I, I think is a, I think it's a wonderful dream. And I think it's also, if we look at all of the literature that's popping up about complex adaptive systems and how organizations need to adapt to the environment they're in and those kinds of things, I mean, I think that's where the whole knowledge management movement was really going. And, you know, I mean, it started, obviously, you know, we, we, Judy, you mentioned, you know, kicking off in the early 90s, you know, when Nonaka and Takeuchi came out with the, the, the Seki model, you know, that idea that we would make things, ta take things from being tacit to explicit and, you know, kind of mm. by, by chewing through that knowledge spiral, you know, we would create new knowledge and allow the organisation to do new things. I mean, that's a... I've, you know, obviously, I mean, obviously it's quite an academic idea, but I think there's a huge amount of veracity in it for for lots of organisations that I don't think we see when people sit down and say, right, now we want to take this process that, you know, you're doing because you've got the knowledge to do it and we want to try and make its decision steps explicit. You know, I, I don't think we see the, I don't think we see the richness of, of, 
of those ideas come out um, in that sort of thing. That said, I mean, for me, you know, I love to bang on about the die car model. Um, and, you know, you, you guys have heard me, you know, that's data, information, knowledge, mm. actions and results. Um, it's a way of tying the results that the organization's achieving to the quality of the actions it's taking, the quality of the actions it's taking to the knowledge that it has and the quality of the knowledge, which is basically, you know, stuff in people's heads and its ability to make decisions. And then, you know, that knowledge can only act with the right information and rec, which, you know, really brings in the whole information data records piece. And so to me, that's, that's the opportunity there to start saying, here is how the quality of our information has an impact on the quality of our results and knowledge becomes a part of that as well. So that's where it fits to me. And I know that, you know, I mean, I've published that on my blog and I know that there are some people who have really got something out of Dicar and are starting to use it in their programs. And I didn't invent it, just being really clear. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. At best, I've socialised it a little bit. I guess it depends a lot on how we determine at what what knowledge is, you know. And lots of lots of people who are purists will say that knowledge is knowledge only exists in our head. You know, once it's out of our head, it's information of some kind. Yeah, some people would do say would and do say that. Um, and is it just about um, getting that knowledge out of your head, as I was saying earlier, or is there or is there a more is there a more proactive thing as well? I mean, going back yeah. to that. Um, the communities of practice that you, know, you were talking about Capturing the tacit. I, I yeah. Mean, I, capturing the tacit and publishing the stuff that the organization already knows so that everybody can know it, which is, you know, partly what an intranet tends to do these, these days. There are different ways of, yeah. of doing that. But, I mean, I can remember in the 1990s and, and 2000s, People even thinking about, well, what notices should be put up on the board that will help people to understand this or that. Um, I have to say the organisation that I'm working with at the moment has weekly sessions where one team will do a, uh, a talk online about their area so that everybody can understand what's going on in that area. That's a kind mm. of knowledge management, isn't mm. it? It's a sharing it's getting it's stuff out of one head so that other people can socialization. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, and maybe and I, people are doing it. Yeah, maybe people are doing it, but they just don't talk about it like that anymore. Hmm. Um, there's one government agency I can think of in Wellington who explicitly combine information and knowledge management as a function, and I don't think they're doing it as a rebranding thing. Carl, you mentioned earlier, you know, I, I, I do see that trend around town where people go, mm, maybe if we call ourselves knowledge, we'll get different respect. <laughs> different respect. Uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, and that they, um, you know, they, they would have a knowledge strategy as opposed to, a, right. you know, a, an information strategy. They would have specifications about the you know quality of knowledge and what they're doing with it rather than or you know as well as uh for instance a record specification um so yeah so so i'm seeing it a little bit and for those kinds of organizations i mean it it does make it clear that there's this whole set of uh, skills and activities around trying to do things like socialization and things that i do think go beyond what a normal 
you know, an information function or a records function would normally do. Yeah. I mean, are you seeing communities of practice and those kinds of things pop up within larger organisations? Because that, to me, you know, how you how you get one of one of the things that I've been trying to figure out in Adelaide for ages is how I get how we get really good practice to spread. Because we've got a couple of we've got a couple of practitioners here that I think are. I, I think they're I think they're quite a bit ahead of other practitioners just in terms of the success they're having in their organisations and and um, because their their practice is materially different and they are getting different results and so how do we get those practices to to, to spread so that other people can start to adopt the bits that make sense for their organisation and get materially different results as well. And, you know, I've been trying to bring people together in a community of practice type thing for years, but I haven't been able to get it to happen, really. And that's... So I'm, I'm curious about whether, you, whether you're seeing community, communities of practice popping up because that is one of those real you know, th those tools that really is supposed to be in the knowledge manager's kit bag. Yes, uh, that same organisation I was talking about, they've, they are exploring that and trying to make that happen and, uh, yeah, trying to basically, um, probably, I mean, you know, only, only to a small amount, but trying to formalise roles around that, like trying to sort of go, okay, these are the things you would need and these are the people who need to do certain things in order to keep a community of practice going. And and um, are those communities of practice around topics or around particular ways of doing things or particular kinds of um, information or what what sort of common thread is things there? Things I'm thinking of are topics, right. topic-based. So, you know, um, things, yeah, a topic related to work, basically. So... Um, um, I'm seeing it at the moment. Um, in another government agency I'm doing work in, they within their kind of um, information area, they have communities of practice for each of privacy, information management, and information security, where they use those to share knowledge across sort of um, domains or disciplines within their information area, which I think is pretty nice. Um, but the other organisation I was thinking of... Um, you know, it could be anything. Like if they have a legal, um, it might be you know about legal matters or whatever. Um, I thought I'd throw in that um, I am seeing. Uh, I feel like I'm almost like a Microsoft chill, which I'm certainly not. But um, v I am going to talk about that, Viva topic know, cards now. Are you? Oh look, I actually wasn't <laughs> even going to go there, but but the the Viva, Viva Engage formerly known as Yammer, but apparently rebranded oh. as Viva Engage. Um, the, the whole point of that, yeah. as far as Microsoft stated it, was supposed to be building up online communities of practice, um, basically in the style of old school web forums. Um, and I generally don't really see that taking off very well, like I said, but I wonder about the relationship between that and a lack of knowledge management like you know i wonder if it's kind of the same as um or equivalent to you know just thinking you just turn on teams for everyone and mm. off you go and now you're managing documents well mm. you know is it same kind of thing like hey we'll turn on viva engage and then start a community on 
IT because it's normally IT people <laughs> and then see what happens next. It is a yeah. very cultural but, um, thing, isn't it? And and it's, I mean, it, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. You just reminded me of the, the company that owns um, WordPress, even though WordPress is, you know, open source. I think they open WordPress, they own WordPress.com and they, I think they, contribute the anyway i forget yeah there is a wordpress yeah, company yeah, but they um one of the things they talk about is a, is a written culture that they that they have where they actually use um wordpress forums to make all of their really big business decisions but in order to make sure that they kind of you know they, they do as much sense making throughout the whole organization as they can if they've got to make big decisions they post these things to a a wordpress forum internally and then the whole company basically gets an opportunity to chime in and what i mean what i what i love about it is that it means that they've got a, a record of because they have this written culture they have a record of how and why mm. every single significant business decision that they've ever made was made that they can refer back to any time they like but there does also then seem to be very much a, a, a knowledge. It just pr it provides an opportunity for people to understand how the organisation functions and how it is thinking about the world. And I, I see that as a really quintessential kind of knowledge manage. There you go, new new term that I've just coined right there. Knowledge manage type thing. Um, and and as you're talking about forums and those sorts of things, I mean. I, I think a large part of what when you get when you get right down to it, knowledge management, a large part of it is trying to make cultural that practice of sharing knowledge with other people and also asking questions. Okay, you know, I don't know how to do I've got this thing I have to do. How do I how do I make sure I do it the absolute best I can by using the knowledge that our organization already has? And you know, every single time I've ever bumped into knowledge management somewhere, you know, somebody's quoted, you know, Lou Platt, I think it was from, it was either HP or IBM, it was one or the other, you know, who said that, you know, if HP no knew what HP knows, we'd be three times as profitable. Must obviously be HP because otherwise it would be yeah, a bit strange. <laughs> but I feel like that's what we're kind of driving at. You know, it's that how do you make, how do you make it cultural, the desire to share and get people away from silos. And I mean, I think particularly in, I think particularly in government where, I mean, it is the home of the bureaucratic organisation, you know, functional divisions and, you know, very clear lines of responsibility. And it, it is kind of the home of the antithesis of that idea. I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Disagree, the, the getting people to share. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to. Um, getting people to share is a problem in all kinds of inform all kinds of organizations i think in my experience it doesn't just uh, pop up in yeah. government and that that getting people to share has been all about the information management when i when i run my information architecture course right at the start i get them to um, talk about their pain points. So what are the things that you struggle with in your organization? And we write them down. And the word silo comes up absolutely every time. Um, hmm. You know, there is no way, there's no way we can share or there's no way people are willing to share. And, and we can't look at anybody else's stuff. 
And I guess knowledge management part of that is making sure that you can see, well, making sure you can see other people's stuff, but also presenting other people's stuff. So, so the, the, the proactive as well as the reactive, if you see mm. what I mean. I mean, I almost see it sometimes as forming yeah. a people-based search engine. Right. You know, cause, <laughs> cause that's oh, the, yes, of course. I mean, yeah. ultimately, that's why we go to people with knowledge. It's the fastest way to understand you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, I, I've I've thought of these things before on a kind of speed continuum. You know, where you've got information down one end, and you know, I, I'm sure I have a book here somewhere on. I have 14 books on knowledge management. Um, I have a book on knowledge management. So if I want to understand knowledge management, I can read the books that I've got on knowledge management, or I can go and ring a mate of mine who has spent significant, who we may, who maybe we should get on the show, um, who spent a significant portion yeah. of his career working in knowledge management and trained in knowledge management, and I can go, hey, can you tell me about this thing? And I know that the knowledge I need is probably in these books I've got, but if I ring him, I'm going to get it really fast. I'm yeah. going to get it distilled. Yeah. He understands how to apply it to the situation. I mean, on that speed continuum, if you've got context, if, if you have a context that you need to deal with, knowledge is orders of magnitude faster than any other way of getting access to this stuff. And that's yeah. So you know, tacit yeah. to explicit, you know, Absolutely putting it on right. a file, getting giving ourselves access to the silo that other people are in. But you know, I, I the problem with that is that you fall into that search problem that. You know, if you want to find out how to write an enterprise agreement, well, the document about how to write an enterprise agreement is number 14,000 in your search result for enterprise agreement behind the 500,000 enterprise agreements that you've, you've already written and all of the drafts of that, of that document. Yeah, and some organisations, uh, when they ask you to fill in your, your personal profile, you know, Ask for lots more information, and I'd I'd forgotten that because I hadn't seen it for so long. But not just who are you, what's your role, what team do you work in, but actually tell us something about what you're doing. Tell us about what you consider your expertise to be, so that people can search this. I need someone who knows about this. Yeah. Oh, I'll do a search. Yeah. Oh, they know. I'll mm. ask them. What a good idea! I'd forgotten that. Because I just don't yeah. see it anymore. I, I, I guess. Yeah, I've I've seen it a few times, but not often, and not always. Kind of just with that enthusiasm about what a good idea it is, rather than right. um, really seeing it come to light. But the, yeah. there's a, there's an underlying yep. element there, though, too, of respect for knowledge and respect for learning, and mm. I, yeah. it, it's just I mean, kind of getting into cultural stuff quite quickly, but. I um I, I wonder how culturally that plays in Australia, you know, at least you know my side of the pond. Oh, yeah. Um, because you know we, we've we've got this idea that you know Australia is a really egalitarian society and everything else, and you know what what we do is we're, we're actually a tall poppy. You know, tall poppy syndrome was kind of born here. You know, every time somebody sticks their head up, culturally, we don't like that very much. Um. But it really also gets in the way of this idea that people can have more value because they know more things than other people. And so I think there is a tendency in Australia to to discount the value of knowledge that other people have and to see things and to treat things as simpler than they are. And I, I wonder then about how 
effective you can be with that type of strategy if people don't fundamentally sit there and say, well, somebody with, you know, 20 years of experience at making bread slicing machines, they must know something that I don't. So I'm going to go and talk to them when I need to understand how to make a bread slicing machine instead of just sitting down and saying, well, how complicated can a bread slicing machine possibly be? Which I think is the tendency (laughs) most of the time. And I think that's the tendency of bureaucratic organisations as well. I mean, I think, you know, the tendency of bureaucratic organisations is to operate at the, the level of knowledge that the people at the top have. You know, they kind of sit down and say, right, what's the thing we need to do? And then they're, you know, the bureaucratic process, you're supposed to map it all out and develop business processes. And then you're supposed to bring people in who are relatively mm-hmm. interchangeable. And so where, what place does knowledge yeah, yeah. play in that? And I guess, I mean, you know, you'd see it every day that from the, from the bottom up that uh, you know, everyone can answer that question. Everyone can say, oh, my gosh, if that person leaves, we're, we're yes. really in the doo-doo. <laughs> yeah. I think um, in terms of that, those cultural aspects, I think um, one thing that's definitely on my mind reflecting on silos and things is what are the incentives to share? You know, like like in real life, baked in the system, you know, what are the incentives built into an organisation that would encourage people to share and put value on that as opposed to basically have one up on someone else through, you know, the old truism about knowledge being power and rah 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 it's like well is it like is it actually power in your organization to be able to basically be perceived as the expert um and if you know would it be possible to kind of structure something where you're being seen as the greatest sharer you know like you you know raise up others the best um i'm sure that in terms of like socially you might be really popular if you're that kind of a person but in terms of your, your actual uh, you know when it comes down to remuneration etc is that, or promotion is that something that would be um easily Ooh, impossible you know, to measure organizations doing that impossible kind of to measure well yeah some, and also i think some organizations have tried that by insisting that you post, you know, you do a certain number of posts per mm. week mm-hmm. on your mm-hmm. area. So we want to see that. And then if you do that, there will be some kind of remuneration or or perhaps lack of penalty. Yeah, to be fair, actually, in, in like consulting companies, you know, that, that's often structured as part of your uh, performance criteria that will determine whether you get a bonus or whether you're out the door um, in the most I mean, severe I- cases. But it's um, it's a pretty rough measure, you know. Like, have you written something up? It's that it's that one bit about explicit turned, uh, sorry, tacit turned explicit, yeah. rather than what if you shared heaps of what had been tacit? You make it explicit through sharing with other people, as in you know. But that, that process of making yeah. sure it's consumed as well. I mean, I, I guess we see it in academia. You know, I mean, what what do academia? What, right. what do you you know? You go to these sites that have academic papers on them and. What's the metric that they put next to a paper to show that it's important? Well, it's how many times has it been cited by, you know, other papers that are published. And I I mean, I think that's the other part of, you know, the, and my, how well I remember the Secchi model is not well at all. But um, the thing I remember is that they were talking about the spiral of knowledge creation and how that spiral is, is not just about, you know, there's the sort of tacit to explicit piece, but there's also that reconsumption. And, you know, how do you make sure that that knowledge gets consumed by people who don't have it so that it becomes new knowledge? And 
it it was interesting for me a couple of years ago. You know, I, I went and started talking to different businesses around Adelaide about, and really just you know, an, an effort to understand how people thought. And I, the the first time I talked to uh, a partner at a law firm here, um, I remember him describing the sorts of things that they did inside the organisation um, as part of in, as part of what he was calling information management, and what he was describing was knowledge management. You know, he was talking about how, you know, he and you know some of the other partners would pass around recent decisions that had been made and written up, and they'd make sure that you know, everybody read those and, you know, they, so like they had this set of knowledge management things that they did that made sure that they were always, you know, building on that knowledge asset that they had in the firm. And the thing that I've found since then is that you don't struggle to get lawyers to, to, to share that information and to engage in, you know, what, what I'd call knowledge management type activities. You know, they are always trying to they're always looking for what is what is the next important case in the area that I work in, because they know that the difference between winning and losing for them is hmm. is their is their knowledge yeah. of those cases and their knowledge of precedents and those sorts of things. And it's it's interesting because I I guess I, I think some of this also comes back to how do we measure. I, you know, an area that we really struggle with, I think, in in knowledge, information management, records management, you know, data management, really is is how do we measure the effectiveness of practice, you know, not not its efficiency, but its effectiveness, and, I mean, I think for for in in law, you know, it, it's really clear you've got a you've got a kind of win loss ratio that you know, so you can measure the effectiveness of your people and. I mean, in information and records management, how do, how do we measure the difference between good information management and 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 you know not even bad information management, just you know slightly less good information management, so that we can really start to understand that there is a quality spectrum and to understand the knowledge that makes up that quality spectrum. One thing that was on my mind thinking about the flavors of what we've been talking about so far is that I think there's kind of a um, plenty of overlap between a bunch of different professional disciplines and what we're talking about with knowledge management. I think knowledge management overlaps on one side with information management and then on the other side with learning, like learning management yeah. or learning mm, and development definitely. or education within the organization. And I think it would be unusual for information management folks to be directly interfacing with sort of learning folks on what sort of inputs and feed, you know, what, what sort of interrelationship you need there. I love but it. They, but, but the crossover between information and knowledge, I think there's, there's really obvious things in what we've been saying that could happen within an organisation that doesn't say it does knowledge management, such as um, trying to encourage people to share trying to encourage people to make explicit things you know that is making records right like let's let's turn some stuff from tacit it's just in my head to something that's recorded you know that that is literally mm, making where a does record. it fit in your retention so in our expansive view <laughs> <laughs> well that's the only thing we're supposed to talk yeah, about yeah just right? retention it's just yeah. retention schedule yeah. god so yeah, so if, so if we're taking that expansive view of records management and information management that we've been like encouraging for a year now, um, and, and you know, and millions of people before us, uh, well, some people <laughs> before us, um, 
you know, if you're focusing on business problems, quality required to get on with your job well, effectiveness, efficiency, um, then you are kind of doing that piece, I think, around um, uh, going from tacit to explicit. And if you're focused on sort of, well, how do people best access these things? Access has always been a concept in records management, you know, maintaining access to things. Um, then, you know, that that also crosses over because it's also that thing of how do we consume it? But I guess what, uh, the uh, yeah, it does make me wonder what's not within the than that kind of if we've got like a Venn diagram, what what falls, what sits in a knowledge management that you would never say is part of information management. So maybe it's that people thing then, the knowing yeah. who to go and mm. talk to. I can find it right. for myself with a bit of luck, um, yeah. But knowing who to go and talk to, who the experts are. Maybe that's the missing piece. Mm. Yeah, and I, I was thinking that communities of practice style stuff is pretty. It'd be pretty unusual to have that uh, sort of as responsibilities and in information and records. You know, like hey, go around and establish these, mm. and like get people talking to each other better and share knowledge well. That's not written down. You know, not recorded. That would be unusual, some of those practices too around identifying knowledge gaps, like you like you were saying, you know, right at that poll, which is all about yeah. learning and development, and you know, making sure that the organisation has the right knowledge that it needs to produce the right results. I mean, I think that kind of thing, mm. and and you know, trying to backfill that, you know, looking at problems like disaster type preparedness, you know, looking yeah. at how, you know, if this person disappears, who has this key knowledge, well you know, what happens in the organisation and how do we make sure that we start to get some of that knowledge shared around other people so that this is less of a problem. I think that sort of thing is unlikely to be part of information management, but probably very likely to be part of knowledge management. Great. I think that's a good place to wrap it up today. Um, so we've been talking about knowledge management and what we think it is and what we think it isn't and how it overlaps or doesn't with information management. I just wanted to say um, that we've referred a few times to the SECI model. And then just in case anybody doesn't know what that is or is trying to look it up, it's spelled S-E-C-I, socialization, externalization, combination and internalization. So you might be interested to go and (laughs) check that out. Um, So thank you very much. I think we should be... It would be good to pick up on the measuring effectiveness topic mm. sometime in the future. <laughs> yeah, um, sounds great. But in the meantime, thank you very much for watch- watching and listening. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, all.